This is the Arts Empire Podcast. I'm your host, Tion Buku One. We go deep diving into some of the most amazing, inspirational people in my life that I've known who have turned their art into a career. Sharing the tips, the trades, the gems, the lugs, all that good stuff for you and yours. Enjoy. I turned my art into an The podcast is here to unearth the clues to share gems, wisdom from those who pay dues to the kings and queens behind the scenes who've done the work, planted seeds, and built the dream. Archer Empire, desire for autonomy, dropping tricks of the trade for all of us to peep. Don't sleep, don't sleep. Wake up to find this knowledge on top, entertainment at its finest. Lo and behold, unfold the hidden scrolls. It's time to shed the light on the stories untold. This podcast is old, we speak the truth. Each one, teach one, is the good power you. Buku, one step beyond the host. Director of the vibes with a gang of jokes. Tune in, tell a friend, share the wealth of game. Take notes, he's word spoke, release the chains. Free up the brain with ideas galore. So many career hacks, mentors to explore. Free up the brain with ideas galore. So many career hacks, mentors to explore for sure. What up, sir? What's good, buddy? Man, just trying to look professional here. I know I got my man on the show. I got to come nice. I've been in your studio. So like. Hey, man, I'm in the kitchen. You see, I got the, the broom behind me. Yeah. Break. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, you got all that in your kitchen? Yeah, I had to put a rack in here for the stuff I use frequently. So I was like, let me just throw this rake in this joint. Oh, shit. Resourceful. Yeah, lazy. <laughs> lazy yeah i'm in my my ping pong room that's my son's mural behind me we just let him paint the wall and it turns out to be a damn good backdrop so it looks, looks green screen it looks green oh bomba <laughs> look it's authentic look at this this is rich <laughs> clowning like i know what the green screen zoom screens be looking like it'd be it'd be all cut off and weird looking as shit that is psychedelic, though. Yeah, like psychedelic. yeah no, I, it, I used it as like the main subject from my last video, music video that I shot myself, because it just it's just a trip. It, it's it's so much in itself that it deserved its own little scenario. So I just kind of made that the main shit. But yeah, so we are here. This is my little arts empire radio. You know, it it's what me and you live. <laughs> like it's in everything we do. I was listening to, you know, just different different uh, different. Can't speak English right now. Listen to this some of your music in different ways. And now that I've been on Super Duty, I listen to Super Duty Tough Work, your podcast. There's so much of what you're talking about on Super Duty Tough Work in your lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Which I find important because a lot of cats be keeping a rap uh, persona and content way different from their business acumen. And I, I, feel, it's a, I feel it's a disservice. So yeah. they're trying to keep something from the community. So. We'll get into it right now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome you guys on. We are here with my man Blueprint, Waitlist.net, Super Duty Tough Work, and a thousand other different things. Uh, known this cat for a minute, been closer brother most more recently. Um, so we're just gonna get into it. 
Now, you do a lot of things, so I'm just going to ask you, just talk to the people real quick about what are the things that are your arts that you've kind of woven into your business world? Uh, I mean, I started out making beats first, so production was kind of my first uh, foray into to, to hip-hop. Uh, through production, that kind of led me into, you know, just recording, working with artists, uh, and which led me into running my own label, you know, starting Wakeless. Um, that kind of led me down the path of, of everything from like uh, working with graphic designers to understanding the mastering process and mixing process, um, which got me then into to, uh, understanding promotion. You know, right. you can't run a label if you don't know how to get the word out about your artists and uh, the projects that you got coming down the pipe. So, so running a label kind of got me into promotion. Um, right kind of got me into understanding distribution, um, kind of got me into understanding publicity, and, and obviously touring, you know, touring as an artist. Right. Uh, understanding publicity just in terms of, okay, there's magazines that are writing about hip-hop and ain't none of them writing about us. Right. These magazines, you know, and uh, that's a whole rabbit hole in itself. So I've done pretty much every side of this thing um, and it all started from me being a producer slash rapper and then working with other artists like Elogic, you know, right. Star, Greenhouse, Envelope, just the whole crew and, uh, uh, and coming up at that time. And so now, you know, my daily is still the, the administrative stuff around the label every day, right. you know, um, which is basically, you know, I treat myself. I, I try to treat Blueprint as an artist on the label. Right, right. You know, it's, that's it's, a good way to do it. Yeah, it was hard to separate that in the past because be like, well, Blueprint don't feel like doing the business today. And right. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, well, Blueprint don't have to, but Al might have to. Exactly. <laughs> do something because you know Blueprint's an artist, but Al got to run the business. So wow. So question then, you know, like what I like about one of the many things I like about you is you're very systematic. You know, you're precise. I would, the adjectives I use would be precise, intentional, you know, uh, compartmentalized in a good way. Like things go certain places and there's order in that. So when you, when you're talking about blue, you have to treat blueprint like an artist. When you switch into business mode, do you, re you have people refer to you as Al? Does it, does it throw you off when they call you blueprint? When you're like, nah, dude, I'm handling business right now. Is it just no, no, it doesn't internally? It doesn't throw me off at all. I mean, I've never, I've never been one of those guys who, who've told people to, to call me Blueprint. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's been like when I meet people, even if they know who I am ahead of time, I always introduce myself as Al. Right. And I, because I always felt like I hate to presume that people know and they'd be like, oh no, don't call me Al. Call me someone always. Right. <laughs> right, right. So I do that, but uh, the, the, the differential, how I have to differentiate is more it's more for me right because i mean you've been to my house it's kind of like a creative compound you know what i mean right like I got right oh my basement and then upstairs my office i have to create like some separation in my mind right so that i can make sure i'm moving in accordance with doing what's in the best interest of not only me as an artist but me as a you know a business owner right and right that's, i have to kind of say okay well Al, you got to do this. Blueprint don't feel like doing no music today or this week, but right. you 
gang of stuff that you could be doing on the business side. Right. So you keep a completely separate list of things that you need to do that's completely separate from the artistic stuff that I do. Right. And that's, I mean, just in itself of being able to have those facets in your personality within yourself to be able to manage that is a whole different conversation. Um, we'll get into some of that, I'm sure. So when did you start turning your arts into a, a viable career? When did you kind of have that, like, yo, like, I'm going to start doing this? Uh, you know, what's funny. I really never, it was, I, at the point in where I could turn my art into a career, I feel like it kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Right. Because, you know, as I mentioned, when I first started putting out my records, you know, we were just kind of trying to escape from corporate America, right? Right, right. And we were putting out music, but I was in a crew. I had never put out any solo records. It really took, like, the, the soul position when that kind of hit. Um, right. And 2002 when the response to the soul position was when I was like oh snap now I think we might have I might be able to, to do this right because seeing a bigger response than you know what I was used to facilitating for even the artists that we working with on the label so it's like okay well you know you might have a, a career as a solo artist which is something right. I didn't really consider at the time I was happy not showing my face and not being on the uh, uh, on the on the on the in the forefront of, the, of my crew, I was happy with that. Right, right, okay. But so then, what year? When was that? that Brother was, Ali says it's two thousand one. You're saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Ali. <laughs> He's like, no, he knew exactly. He's like, oh my god, yeah. Right, yeah so, so. Like, yeah, so like two thousand summer two thousand two was when the Soul Position stuff came out, and uh, right. But prior to that. I mean, I had done the record, but it was the first body of solo work I had ever recorded. Right, wow. So I really had, I did not know how or if it was going to really hit like that. I know that people around me believed in it. Right. Nothing like putting out something and then you're seeing people online. I mean, you're seeing, you're playing shows and people are showing up knowing the words. Right. That's kind of giving you something like, wait a minute, there's something going on here. This music is spreading. And this might actually be able to be turned into a job or something like that. Right. Okay. So, so once you kind of had that, like, man, okay, what are like, let's say, what are the top three things that you had to like shift in yourself when you, once that moment hit, like, man, I could really do this. Uh, I think the first thing was just get my body at work up, you know? Right. Like I was reading this interview from the Rizzo when he was talking about like 94, I think 97. Right. Right after their first record came out and when they were dropping all those solo records every year. Yeah. Basically like, yo, I didn't know I was rich because I didn't leave the house for three years. I was in the basement for three years. Right, right. And uh, Banging stuff out. Yeah, I thought that was dope because it was like, I, I could relate to that because as the producer, once I saw the light, it was like, oh, get active. As much music as you right. can. Don't sit around and wait on nothing. Any tour you can get on. Right. Get on, you know, and so, like, once I had a window, like, the main things I focused on was just being consistent in my music, you know, making sure, like, the quality was high. And right. Every single opportunity I could find, you know, like, especially, like, 
touring and things like that. It's, and, and even collaborations. I did a lot of collaborations back then, and some of them never came out. You know, like right. Orphanage record never came out. The stuff we did on Waitlist never came out. And so I was throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, and then the soul position stuck. Right. Opened the door for everything else. So, so that was the first right. thing. I'd say after that, just being more organized, you know. I think around 2000, 2001, as a unit, we got more organized as waitlist. So at that point, right. 2001, we were basically like, okay, we need to start having people who are responsible for specific tasks. Right. A lot of people around Columbus knew us, but back in right around that time, we had like a whole squad who we did promotion with. Right. So, like, when you would see waitlist at a jam, we would always be five or six deep. Everybody with a hundred, two hundred flyers in their hand. Right. We would have schedules written out two months in advance. Like, if we had a show ninety days out, right, we would know every hip hop show going on for the next ninety days. Right. Wow. Right. And we okay. This is on Tuesday. Can you go? No, I can't go. Uh, he'll go to that. Okay, I'll go to this. We'll posse up and go. We would just posse up and go. And stay in right. at the we would pass out flyers to people on the way in. And then at the end of the night we stick around till two, two fifteen, pass out all our flyers on the way out. And so but that's just one example of how we got organized as a unit. You know, having people to, to focus strictly on the business was another side of it. Right. right. Because I couldn't I couldn't do all of the business and do all of the production at that time, right? Because we right. had so much going on. Um, so we had people in charge of that. So we just got more organized. Our output came up. And, and I think, too, maybe the third thing I would say is just having a unified vision. Right. Right. For us in Waitlist, our theory was, like, whoever has the juice, you know, so to speak, like, whoever is hot. Right. That's who we get behind. Right. As far as on your roster. like Our roster. Right, right. right. When the Logic, uh, when his Unforeseen Shadows came out, and like hip hop infinity and all these other sites, you know, because then An Anaconda was like was was blowing up. Right. There. Yeah, yeah. That lane with them. Some people, the crew was like, "Well, should we keep?" I was like, "Yo, he's got something that we ain't got yet." Right. So support him. He's headlining the shows now. Right. We're not gonna be playing after him. He's he's becoming a draw. We're gonna start putting more money into that. Putting more money behind like publicists, you know, things like right. that. Right, right. Time, you know, I was setting the direction and we had a, a unified. Right. So what, what are some of the early tough lessons that you had to learn? <laughs> I mean, you know, like, we like, know. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I'll, I'll preface it like by this, you know. So, you know, we say you have a group of friends, right? Yeah. I've always been the, the square, responsible one in my group of friends. And they kind of know that I'm that person. So, you know, and then when I started getting in the business of hip hop and not just other business, that's a family friend business. You're not interviewing really. You're just like your homies has become your whatever you got. Um, and there's a lot of lessons that go into like now you, you and your homies, you got business roles and there's, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. We had a lot of we had a lot of things like that, like growing pains surrounding people playing their role. Right. You know, like there was a member of the crew even back then, my guy, he, he had a, a degree in business administration. But he didn't want to do the business shit on waitlist. 
<laughs> right. like, he just did not want to do it. We could not convince him to do it. And we needed him. Right. To do that. He had no business experience. Um, things like that caused conflict back then a little bit. You know, because it was like, yo, we really kind of, because you don't want to do that, now you're in this place. Right. This, this place where you're in is now causing conflict with the person who's doing was, that thing. Right, right, right. That was always hard. You know, also just dealing with rappers in terms of no matter what a rapper's role or skill is, they want their time. You know what I'm saying? Right, whether right. Record, whether that be on stage, whether that and, – and at the time, you know, we were opening things up and showing that there's business roles. The, the, the industry needs people who are not just rappers as your right. career. Right, right, right. Guys, we were teaching to do street promotion, publicity, tour management, merchandise, uh, running a label administrator. But a lot of those people didn't necessarily see the value in that at the time. Right. So, so certain things like that would cause problems. You know, just, um, but you know, a lot of it was, those were the biggest issues I think we had just in terms of getting everybody on the same page was clearly defining people's role and making sure that they knew how important it was in the whole unit success. Right. And that whether front or not, you were going to get yours and be taken care of. Right. And little, you know, later on down the road, I'm sure a lot of those people who learned those other skills realized uh, business skills transfer a lot easier than rap skills in the, in the outer world. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, rapping, rapping can get you, man, but once, once you put down that mic, if that if that ain't no value, then yeah, you can always get a job. Like I, I look at it now, like if I were to say, you know what, I want to get a job working for a label or something like that. Right. I think I would have a really easy time doing it because all of my work is like if you want to see if I if I know enough to be a social media manager. Right. I have multiple profiles that show that I can actually do that at a corporate level. You know. Right. Right. Uh, uh, project management. If you can release a record in an organized way, then you're 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 managing you, a project, you, right? Right. Right. Campaign. You're writing copy every day. You know, like these are things that people don't know that they're doing, but you're doing things that translate into business at a very high level. Right. And you can never find a business to give you this kind of experience. Right. Hip hop will get that to you. Right. Exactly. So. One of the, you know, with, with, with independent music being how it is, and, you know, after Napster and all these things like that with COVID and everything, the whole landscape is shifting. Um, what is your definition of success for you? <laughs> uh, success is just being not having to get a regular job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. You know, I'm like, hey, if I wake up, you know, when I, when I first resigned from my job uh, in 2002 to do this, my goal was simple. I just said, every month that I don't have to come back here is success. Right. Whether this career lasts 30 days, 90 days, three years, five years, 10 years. I view success as that. I never had no real lofty goals like I want to be a star or I think I can be a star. Even to this day, I don't necessarily right. look at myself like that, which is probably why I rap about the things that I do. Um, but right, right, right. I think my success kind of snuck up on me a bit. And so my goals have never been crazy. It's like, yo, 
I was working in corporate America for 60 hours a week. You know what I'm saying? Right. Getting my job as a, as a senior systems analyst and just praying to just have a week off. I didn't take a, the, I worked five years as a senior systems analyst. I didn't take right. one vacation day. Wow. But when I resigned at the end of that five years, they were like, you could actually go on this tour and come back and still just using your vacation day. Oh, just you had enough time for like, <laughs> wow, like a five week to be crazy. Yeah, I <laughs> weeks of vacation time because I was on call so much, I never got to take vacations. And then when I finally had right. to like, oh shit. But, but to go from that to this, at a basic level, just being able to create art every day, you know what I mean? Right. That's, that's success, man. You know, and, and sometimes I feel like it doesn't matter what your job is. If you if you love art and you get to wake up and do it every day, that's a successful day because that shit brings you joy. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So what, even if you're fighting to do it for 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night before you fall asleep, that shit counts right. too, you know? Right. That's still you. And, you know, like like what you're saying with Riza quote, since you wore so many hats when you by the time you shifted to where. Your, you know, your hip hop and your label and all that was going to be your business. You had so many roles that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for success to go to your head as an artist when you're doing everything else. And that's why, you know, people have asked me in situations like, you know, do you ever, did you ever, you know, feel this like you know, that you made it? I'm like, I'm, I, I got 15 minutes on stage. Like my day started long before that. I'm setting up the merch. I'm at the merch table. I do this. I give, you know, like you're so into all the other things it naturally humbles you. You don't even, you don't even realize because the shine you're getting is like this. And that's yep. just hopefully enough you can spread to the build the next, whatever the next is, right? The next tour, next shit, you know? Um, and then, so well, I'm going to get to brother Ali's question since he's, <laughs> he said, ask him why he almost got, why did you almost get brother Ali arrested at the post? I was trying to buy money orders for him to send home on tour. See, I almost got him arrested. Yeah, he said, yo, uh, ask him why he almost got me arrested at the post office. We'll get back to that. We'll let you think about that for a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't – we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. I just had to read as it came up. Um, so, you know, what are your core three skills that see you through all of your lanes? Oh man, let me think. One would just be like, uh, I mean, it's cliche, but it's not like like perseverance. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I've never quit at anything I've ever really tried. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's been things I've tried at life, and it's not even as a, as it relates to like uh, music. So like, I'll go back to like middle school. When I was in middle school, I was like, okay, I want to play basketball. Right. But in seventh grade, or, or seventh grade, I tried out, got cut. You know what I mean? Eighth grade, tried out again, I made the team. But I was so bad that I couldn't even sit on a bench. I sat behind a bench. You know what I'm saying? Well, right, and right. Dressed, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was in the crowd, bro. So, let y'all know how good I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? In right, grade, right. And I remember I was just like, I'm just going to keep playing and practicing. I'll pick up the ball every day. 
And by by the time I got to ninth, I had a uh, my sister, her boyfriend started taking me to play with older kids, like right, right, college people. And uh, oh shit, yeah, he right, he right, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so like, um, but I was just dedicated, dedicated to becoming better at it. And by the time I got in ninth grade, I started junior varsity. By the time I got in ninth grade, I started varsity for the rest of my high school time, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Right. And got recruited by colleges, you know what I'm saying? But that 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 work ethic is the same thing I apply to everything. When I got to college and I decided to, to major in computer science, same thing. I wasn't really that into computers, but I knew that it, it would it had a more promising outlook than uh than than being an English major at that point. Right, right, right. But let me get into science. Same thing, same thing with production. I got my I got my my it took me about three weeks to learn beats, to learn how to make beats. But that's because I didn't leave the house for three weeks. Right, <laughs> right. So you your three, I mean? your three weeks and someone else's three weeks is very different. Right, right. Three yeah, yeah. Like you eat, sleep, you don't fucking do nothing else but this until you feel like you got it. Like I think they call it total immersion. Right. Like I practice total immersion on anything I do. So right. that means from the point where I'm like, I need to learn that when I start really going down that path. Right. All I do for for weeks, months, until I feel like I got a good handle on it. Right, um, right. That would be my number one trait. Like, there's not many things that I set my mind to doing where I'm willing to quit because I understand, too, like, how it's going to help me in the long run. So I'm willing to sacrifice right now, you know? Right, right. Um, I would say the second core might just be like, let me think organization and, and planning that's like my superpower you know when i was working for kroger you know we had to we would launch like software releases right well hold on a second because you know some of us are out here in california and that, that word kroger don't mean nothing oh. <laughs> okay, so kroger is a supermarket chain i'm sorry okay <laughs> market chain uh, and i was a senior systems analyst computer programmer okay. uh, at a college and so we would be releasing software to the stores, right? Uh, updates and the, the applications I worked on. I worked on like a, a labor scheduling application where you schedule all the work, right? And so that kind of talk, when you do that and you have to release it, it yep, Safeway. Kroger owns Safeway. They own, oh, okay. they own, uh, they own mad uh, stores on the West Coast now. Right. They're a big, um, big umbrella, right? Uh, uh, Ralph's, they own Ralph's too. Yeah, they own okay, Ralph's. okay, I'll see what you're saying. All of those, we had to merge those systems. That's when I was working there. They had just wow. Uh, so I was back and forth on the West Coast, uh, learning that stuff and, and working on those. But working in corporate America and doing uh, software rollouts, that taught me organization. You know, organ and it, and we had to take classes on like project management, and so. Right. That's something that I never would have gotten had I not worked in, in corporate America. But learning that if you can release software, go through the, the alpha testing, the beta testing, you know what I mean? The, the, right. the software life cycle stuff, which is what we had to go through, then then that's no different than rolling out an album. Right. Right? Like you're rolling out a single, a, a, a music video on this date, and then you're setting dates and, and ultimately – the, the 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 date that the software would be out is no different than the date that the uh, the album would be out, right? Right, right. Yeah, so so that would be my my next skill. So that that skill I use in everything, you know. 
Um, right. My, my third thing I would say, maybe just like dealing with people, you know, out of everybody in my crew, I was always the dude who was great with people, you know, like from meeting fans at shows, even to this day, you know, I play a show, I stay at the merch table until the show is over, you know, from the time doors is open. I, I always like dealing with people. Right. I mean, obviously working in computer science, it's not the same, but that skill has kind of been with me ever since I was in high school, just being really natural around people, meeting meeting new people and kind of being acclimated and not being off in a corner and weird. So and that has right, right. helped me build relationships in hip hop, you know. Right. Those are those are three powerful traits that, you know, translate to any any genre for sure of life. Um what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are when someone turns their art and starts to get into the business of their art? You mean, you say for artists who's trying to get into the business? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's cats who, you know, they perceive you as a certain way or they perceive, oh, it's going to be like this. Like, for example, what I say is like, you know, when an artist decides they want to become an independent artist or have their own whatever, I try to give them the analogy of like, you know, if you're an artist, you're like a chef and you're on a label, you're at a restaurant. And so the restaurant is doing everything. You're just cooking. Yeah. And then you start feeling like, man, I'm about to go ahead and uh, start my own restaurant. All of a sudden, you aren't just the cook no more, right? You might have to do maintenance. You might have to do accounting. You might have to do promotion. And I think all those nuances really throw people from the perception of what they have versus what it's like when you really get into it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think one of the biggest things I would say that artists uh, make a misconception on is, is the money. Right. Add on to what you're saying because, you know, when you're going from a situation where somebody else is writing a check, um, you don't even know what checks are being written. You know, the average artist has no idea how much that photo shoot costs. You know what I mean? How right. much that posting costs. How much that deluxe uh, SoundCloud costs. How much them software applications cost that run on the website that allow us to do this and collect these email addresses and send out this <laughs> money? How much that MailChimp account costs? Like, right, right. They don't know these things and it's not until like you're saying they actually have to put out their own record and write the check that they start to learn oh the business isn't just telling people what to do uh how do you deal with uh live work balance it, it goes back to kind of what we're talking about when, when do you give yourself time off or how do you know when to take a break but just in general in life how do you deal with your live work balance of being uh, you know because there's, there's nobody telling you when to start or stop it's true. Uh, that's hard for me, man. Like, it's hard for me in certain instances because, you know, there's a lot of times where I don't want to take a break because I truly, right. truly like what I'm doing. You know right. What I'm and so, like, I always feel like as long as I'm excited about what I'm doing, I keep working. Right. The moment, the moment I'm feeling like I don't feel like doing this today or I feel like <laughs> forcing this, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> comes the creative stuff, I don't do it. Because I know that if I do it when I'm not like, um, when I'm not feeling it, right. I'm going to be half-assed with the art. And and I don't want to be half-assed when it comes to creativity. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right, right. Nah, I want to, I want to do it with this, with the spirit of, you know what I'm saying? Just like an energetic spirit, excited spirit, because right. 
especially as we get older, we're older, right? So we, the last thing we want to be doing is forcing ourselves to do some shit just because. Right. I mean, so, but. but That's tough. So how do you know when to push yourself when you're like, yo, I got to just power through this. And when you're like, yeah. If I have a deadline, I'll power through. If I have a okay. deadline, I'll power through. Anything that involves a date or money. Right. I'm doing <laughs> like, right, right. If somebody pays me for something, there's right. no break taken. I'm doing it right then and there. You know, like, oh yeah, friend, we need to buy these beats. I'm not right. taking a vacation when somebody paid me for some beats. I'm not taking a vacation when somebody's paid me for a show or or, or anything like that. Or I right. got going on, uh, maybe a, a sale or something. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna get the money first, go hard as possible, and then I'm gonna take a a, a break and, and do something different. But right. the thing that helps me is maybe like also like not beating myself up over not getting shit done every day, you know? Right. You gotta you gotta really be honest with yourself, like, yo, did I do my best? Because there's always gonna be stuff on the to do list. Right, right, right. You'll never get it all done. So it's like maybe that's not the right criteria. Maybe the criteria isn't did I finish everything? Maybe the criteria is did I do my best? Right. And if you did your best, then you should have no regrets. You should be able to sleep very well at night, knowing that when you was awake, you went hard as a motherfucker. Right. But when you don't go hard as a motherfucker, and you, then you know you just... You ain't earned that sleep yet. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. So, okay. What are five... Horrible things artists can do to just tarnish their business as an independent entrepreneur. Uh, not pay people. <laughs> no, right. No. <laughs> uh, expect everything for free. Right. Um, treat people who uh, uh who you think can't do anything for you like shit. Um. Uh, uh, let me think. Uh, scam people, like not deliver on what you said, whether that be right. customer service or through deliberate, just like I'm going to get over on this person. Right, right. You know, um, because we know after doing this, it's one or two degrees of separation in this field. Oh, yeah. Even when I didn't know you, I knew you. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? right, right. We was, we was orbiting for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> There's one or two degrees of separation in this thing. So, like, right. you know that you got to move like that because right. those relationships are the relationships that will allow you to be successful in this, man. And so, right. you know, I would say that's a bad thing people do. Um, I would say I would say not being organized, you know, in general. Right. Like, it's okay to view your art as an artist when you're making it. But when it's time to release it, you should be organized. You should have a plan. Ooh, well, 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 you got to say that again. <laughs> Just, yeah, say that again. That's, wow, that's yes, real, real. It's okay to view your art as art when you're making it. But when it's time to put it out, you got to be organized. You got to have a plan, man. That's, that's when you have to get out of that free-flowing, you know what I'm saying, improvisational, artistic, mindset and get right. into the okay now i have to have a plan and i have to execute this that's how you 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 win 
because that right. free-flowing improvisational artist mindset is not necessarily a business mindset. Right. And take that, that art into the public realm, it's kind of business now. Once you want to release it to the public, you, you, you got to give that artist best chance at success. Right. You know? That, yeah. That is, that is a serious, a serious lug right there because, you know, the, the free flowy, this is my art, this is how I do my thing, and if you don't like it, that's on you. Right, right. I guess that's not really the good look. Okay, so when, when you're building your team, right, because, you know, like we're talking about, you can't win with a whole squad of quarterbacks for one. Like if everybody in the crew is, all, is, is the star rapper in their mind, no one's going to want to block. No one's going to want to, like, set screens. Everyone's going to want to be a star. So how do you uh, – what are some of the traits that you look for when you're building your team? Uh, the, shit, the number one thing I think I look for is I look for people who are already doing what I need somebody to do. Right. You know, because sometimes we have homies and we're just like, yo, I think you could do this if I taught you this, this, and that. Right. Or you might be good at that. But then sometimes it's like, yo, you have a homie who's kind of doing that already. Right. This might not be as cool with them or they might not be as close. It's like, yo, man, if if this person is already doing it, then they already got a passion for it. Right. And they see themselves in that role. Those are the people. I've had the most success working with those kind of people, bringing mm. them in what I do. Right. Like, you don't want to find your guy and be like, yo, you can be a, a dope social media manager if they don't even like social media and they're not doing it. <laughs> right, right. Right. But if you got that person who's always been on social media and then they're just like, all right, well, you look at their timeline and it's real clean and concise. Right. You're like, man, they kind of understand this already and they're just doing it for themselves. They're right. Gonna get those are the people who I think you should really take seriously when you're trying to hire somebody for something, right? Right. That's that's probably the, the, the number one trait. And then the other is just like, what kind of person are they? Are right. they are they to get along with? Do they are they do they walk into a room and people genuinely like them? You know what I mean? Because ultimately they're going to be representing you if they're on a team. Right. So you want to have some people with some character involved, you know? So I say right. character. And then whether they're they're already doing that task, if they're already doing it, they already like it, then rock with them. Right. Okay. So see now we we off my ten my ten question script. Now we freestyling now. So yeah. off the script. Yeah. Okay. So check it out. So when you're an independent artist, you know, like say for example, you got your own label. You know, you you produce yourself, so you don't need to get producers, right? But you might need a DJ for scratches. You may need. Uh, a videographer to shoot uh, up until recently. You may need a photographer. And you ain't, you know, our budgets be very small pockets. So how do you get high quality, you know, videography, photography, graphic design, all these things with independent budgets when you don't have the money to, to, to pay everybody? Uh, well, I think number one, you got to always keep your ear to who's new. Right. Always keep your ear to like, who is like, um, really doing something so like i got like a homie my guy mario does video for me now right i first got into got his first camera then he went back to school for it then he was all right then it was like you know what man like this guy is uh he's on his way right he wasn't there but he was on his way 
and I've worked with many other videographers like that too, who were maybe working with me was the first music video they ever did. You catch them as they're ascending, not once they're already at the top of the mountain. You say, oh man, I see you as you're ascending. And right. Helps you kind of get, um, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to yeah. spend a leg on that. Another thing I'll say is just me becoming more familiar with the, the how to, um, how to do some of the things I'm trying to hire people to do. Right. Right. So once I learn more about the task I'm looking for someone to do, then I feel more comfortable breaking it up. Okay. Can I do any of this? Can I, can I send just this piece of that to that person? Right. Still that I'm satisfied with, you know, so that's helped as well. Right. But yeah, that early investment is being able to find young talent. Um, is a key. So in that situation, to clarify it more specifically, what are you offering them in exchange for their uh, services? Uh, well, I think it's, it's a little bit different because it depends on the person. There are some people who, who I work with and they're just like, you know, maybe use this in exchange for exposure or recommendation or reference. Right, or, right. Or keep me in mind for the future. So for those people, it's one thing. Uh, for other, But I never assume that no one wants to I never assume people want to work for free. Right, right. Sense. Like, right. I'm always like, oh, they want to get paid. Something. Um, right. The thing I, I, I think about as well is, like, I try to budget out what things are going to cost way ahead of time. Right. And if I say, okay, maybe I, I find out that a music video from this specific person is going to cost me $400. Right. The way I look at that is like, okay, how many beats do I have to sell to make $400? Right. And then I go into that mode. Okay, I can sell this many beats. Okay, this is how many beats I need to sell. So then I sell those beats. I don't touch that money. Right. And I give it to them. And, and instead of saying, I hate to say I can't afford it, right? Right, right. One of those self-fulfilling, like, negative statements. Like, we can't afford that. Right. As opposed to like, how can I afford that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And it may take longer, but you're not gonna Yeah, I mean there's and there's you know, there's definitely a benefit to being able to pay somebody. Like even with like homies who are like, But I oh, don't don't pay me, man, I got you. I'd be like, I kinda wanna pay you because I can what are some of the benefits? Because I, I need it done. When you when when what are some of the benefits of paying somebody to do something even though they want to offer to you for free? Well, shit, it's probably 20 benefits. The biggest one is that you, when, you pay, when you pay somebody, you have to manage it, typically. Right. Uh, number two, you get to move to the front of the queue. Right, right. I know how I am when people ask me for free shit that I don't feel like doing. Right. It ain't that I don't plan on doing it. It's just that when I do it, it's going to be after I do everything I get paid for. Right. And so I don't want to be at the bottom of the queue like that. I don't want to be in the back of the line when it comes to my project. Right, right. I like to offer motherfuckers money if I need to be in the front of the queue. Because right. I know um, another problem with expecting free stuff is like no one is going to go that hard on something free because average people, most people are not that professional. Right. Right, like you and I have, so, we have something inside of us that took us to this point that that pushed us to be like okay whether you making money or not you're going harder